I, this is both a weakness and a strength of mine. I'm very talkative. Okay, good, great. Then we'll have a great episode then. Yeah. <laughs> the hard part is I'm very talkative, and I got, like, hella brain worms. So I'll be talking, and I'll, I'll have something to say. I'll be talking about it, but I'll go off on some tangent. Mm-hmm. Still related, but, like, adjacently related. Okay, perfect. I mean, and if we get off, if we get off topic, I mean, it happens. No big deal. That's what the podcast is for. Yeah. So, it's season fucking three. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Commander Podcast, where myself and other guests talk about our favorite uncommon legendary creatures that we like to run as commanders. Uh, today, I am joined by artist Beyond the Machina. How are you doing today? Hi! Hi, I'm doing quite well. It's just been a very strange day, but I'm doing, I'm doing very well, all things considered. Glad to hear it. And, um, you know, I know you personally, mostly through MTG Lexicon. Uh, you know, I've seen yeah. your I've seen your name come up. I've seen you do the uh, the artwork for their recent playmat, um, mm-hmm. which looks fantastic. This time, unfortunately, okay. I couldn't get it, um, yeah. but hopefully, it it's as good as as their first one. Um, and today on today's episode, uh, you, I, I invited you on because you you let me know that you were working on. Uh, sort of pre-con lists uh, uh, around uncommon commanders, and you weren't just specifically doing it around any random ones. You were doing it around the new Capenna uncommon yeah. three-color legends, which I was like, great, can you come on to talk about it? And here you are. Absolutely, yeah. So the project is this. I call it the new Capenna project. It's five decks all based around the new Capenna uncommon legendaries, which are, let me pull up my uh, Moxie quickly. It's LaGrella the Magpie. It's Rocco Cabaretti Caterer. It's uh, Quasa Augur of Agonies. It's Mr. Orfeo the Boulder. And it's Cormella Glamour Thief. All of which are so fantastic. Are the, all of them are. Yeah. They're all very interesting commanders. But the problem is they're all interesting, but that's kind of where it stops. To a degree. Some people like them more than others, and some of them can be cracked in half. But as a whole... They are not as, like, major haymakers as other things, but they're not garbage either. They're just kind of there. Overall, in my opinion. Yeah. uh, But I was thinking, these are fascinating commanders. Yeah. Because of the fact that they're kind of there. So I wanted to do something where I am using bulk. Now, it won't make a difference in the bulk overall, but I'm using bulk. Yeah, what? And I could design these with pre-con philosophy in mind, which I'll go over in a minute, and soup them up as much as reasonably able. Yeah, one of one of the things that I like about New Capenna and uh, modern commander design is that um, in order to kind of give some more depth to the world, uh, especially now that we're kind of bouncing between sets only one one arc at a time, you know, we'll be in Kalad like in the future we'll be in Kaladesh, we're gonna be in Tarkir, we're gonna 
go to the Wild West and stuff like that, but we're only going to be there for one set. So to round it out, yeah. for the most part, more now more often than not, they're adding more legendary creatures at different rarities to kind of uh, enhance draft experiences, because these, these creatures are the cornerstones for the three-color um, families for, like, drafting. Yeah. Um, but at the same time... Uh, they have enough mechanical pieces um, that they kind of stand out um, even among like the the color combinations that they're a part of. Um, yeah. Like so for like and, and before we go into what you what you're doing here, so like for example, I've made four of these creatures as decks. I didn't choose Rocco because what you know what Rocco does is you pay X and when he enters the battlefield. Uh, or when they enter the <laughs> battlefield, you'll search a library for a creature card with an equal mana value or less and put it on the battlefield and shuffle. I find that incredibly boring to play because some people just use it to combo out or do whatever. And like, that's whatever. That's fine. That's that's for them to make that choice. But that it also means that a card like this with this type of powerful effect, and not only that, has different uh, artworks that are available, the regular one and then the sort of art deco kind of gold frame style that they did for the, yeah. for the set you can have the choice of getting them for fairly affordable prices which is really great if you want to bling out your deck yeah. a little bit um I, I got i got delirious on a new med not not intentionally it was just like a weird side effect and it since been resolved but i got delirious on a, a, a on a med i'm on and ordered the gilded foils of all of the charms, like the their respective charms and the commanders, and I have a leather bling, mm -hmm. and it was still dirt cheap. <laughs> yeah, so like if you want to, like the way I look at it is I, like I these, Morocco, but... <laughs> like these are these are fun commanders. Lagrella is the one that I understand, I like was so unbearably confusing at first because of the templating, yeah. but I'm sure there's numerous reasons why it came out like that. But they can each be incredibly powerful at the thing that they do with as long as they get support from the other pieces in the deck, which I think is a really nice thing. Like, yeah. like Rocco is only as good as the creatures are in your deck. Uh, exactly. You know, uh, I got a Mr. Orphea the Boulder deck myself. I use it for, like, a ball lightning theme. Um, All right. So, you know, you throw out your 3-1, your 5-1, your 6-1 with Trample and Haste, and you double its power and you smash someone, right? You know, the, the, otherwise, people are like, why don't you play Xenogod, you know, because it does the thing but better. And I'm like, because I can jun them out, <laughs> you know. Exactly. And and Cormella is, you know, there's a lot of cards that allows Cormella to basically be an infinite mana combo engine. Um, <laughs> but you still need to be casting spells. But at the same time, also, Cormella can also allow you to, like, just be that mana rock or the the mana dork that you need to just cast your really cool spell. In my case, I'm like, I want to cast Cruel Ultimatum and copy it. And Cormella's like, I can help you with that. And that's kind of what like my goal was with my Cormella deck. Yeah. But So, with, with all of mine, they're all artisan, which means they're only commons and uncommons. So that makes some of the ones that are a little bit less powerful on an even scale with those that are a little bit more powerful. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned Rocco. And Rocco being just kind of a tutor up a combo piece. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I went with. But I went with it so that there's so many combo pieces in the deck, you have to figure it out first. 
Rocco is by far the hardest of these decks to play. Like, if you're an experienced player, you'll figure it out, or you'll come across it naturally. But Rocco is not that clear-cut, because, one, it's artisan, and two, what combo are you going for? And once you go for that combo, it's kind of, like, telegrammed, or telegraphed. Yeah. So everyone else knows what you're doing. Yeah, the the one thing that I found is, uh, like, even as magic's gone on and we got a, a, a chunk more of legendary creatures available, there's obviously the really powerful, like, the, the rare and uh, mythic rare printings of stuff that are very deliberately overpowered, and you, you more often than not, people are going to say, it's not that kind of XY deck, and it turns out to be exactly what you think it is. Um, so, you know, in Rocco's case you know that people are going to try to tutor out the best of the best of what their deck has to offer. Um, Especially if you want to get, like, maximum efficiency. But these decks, like, I find that these creatures do require you to still jump through hoops to be Mm -hmm. able to pull off the maximum effect of, like, what each of them do. Yeah, I think the easiest combo in Rocco that I can think of is... Like scurry oak and rosy cotton. Mm-hmm, yeah, good old rosy cotton my- South Lane from Lord of the Rings. Who knew that she'd be a beast of a combo engine? But that's like the easiest one to figure out. I mean, you can maybe do Village Bellringer and Philidor Guardian, but that's not even a true combo. Yeah. So it's all a lot of like a build a thing. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I wanted to do for Rocco's. I just wanted it to be like general good value and then figure out how to build a combo. So that's Rocco's main game plan and main way of playing. You mentioned Mr. Ofeo the Boulder with yours being like Jund Beats. Mm-hmm. My Mr. Ofeo the Boulder is kind of a weird go wide deck because it has the big stompy characters. But also, it's more about, again, general value and playing it so that your stuff matters more than their stuff. So I think Mr. O'Fair the Boulder has probably, like, the most removal, or, like, the second most removal out of all of my decks. And along with that, it also has, like, reanimation sub-themes and, like, politics sub-themes. So, like, Right of the Raging Storm is a great card. Fantastic card. And I love playing... Yeah. Um, and then the, the myriad creatures, so like Banshee of the Dread Choir, Caller of the Pact, Caller of the Pact, because with how those trigger, um, you can double their power and then myriad happens. Because it copies the properties of the, of the creature. Oh yeah. Okay. So Caller of the Pact goes from a... Five green green trample myriad creature. That's an eight six to a sixteen six. Okay, I have to remember this for the future. I don't know why it was just something that I never remember. Because yeah, because it's not just they're copying the printed the printing stats. It is they if they get pumps, if they get their plus two plus twos and all that. Okay, yeah. Oh uh, wow! Okay, I love doing yeah. I love doing the podcasts like this for stuff like this because it's like sometimes I go in and I I you know I joke I'm like I I know I know Magic the Gathering I know aha, I know every Magic the Gathering card in existence and I know the rules I do not very obviously not so I get to learn yeah. a lot from uh, my guests coming on uh, and doing this because I just I, it's just it's cool 
It's it's so cool to see that. The other fun thing is, um, like, if you give creatures abilities, so like Elegant Entourage or Oliphant, um, since it's just a when you attack, you can stack the triggers. Oh, actually, hold so, on a second. Uh, I actually, I wanted to double check. I just checked the rules. It says that, that it, it copies the original properties. Oh, it just copies the original? Eh, still cool. Hey, I mean, I love playing, um, I can't remember what the giant's called, uh, that has Myriad as well. Um. That's a rare, unfortunately. Is it? No, it's not, because the, the giant with haste, uh, that, I think it got... Oh. I'll double check that in a second here, but I feel like it is, it is an uncommon if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, I, I, I thought it was a rare, that's why I didn't put it in, but I might have had a, a secondary reason. I put Banshee in because it does, like, discard effects, mm-hmm. which is just a good politics thing. And Caller of the Pack has Trample. Yeah. They're like, I found I so found it, when it comes to Myriad, uh, like, depending on how you choose to send it, and not even getting into stuff like having Myriad creatures with Ishing Two Heavens as One is, like, one of my examples, is that you send the original copy at someone who is who could probably either take the hit or is less likely to kill your thing, and then your opponents are getting two copies of that creature uh, coming at them, which can get pretty oh, yeah. disgusting uh, in, in gameplay. Yeah, it's, it's gross. But, um, so, the other thing about all of these decks is when I say they're pre-con philosophy, um, in all of the pre-cons... There are always colors that are shared between each... There's cards that are shared between each color. Mm-hmm. And then there are cards that are shared only between certain colors. So, like, every deck has Sol Ring. So in the Magic Precon, Sol Ring is usually a common or an uncommon. Usually uncommon, if I recall correctly. But, um, like, every red deck in all of my Precons, both the, these ones and the ones I've made before, because I made one around all the Theros gods... Mm-hmm. Every red deck has Humble Defector. Yeah, Humble Defector, where you get to tap it, you draw two cards, and someone else gains uh-huh. control of it. Um, and you can only activate Humble Defector on your turn, which is a pretty interesting clause. But And, and it also got reprinted in uh, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those cards where it's like, you know, you could very obviously try to ex- heavily exploit it. Um, mm-hmm. but it's also a, a very interesting sub game and it's, uh, by being like, Hey, all right, here's, here's the politics. Who wants to kind of exchange control of humble defector, you know, cause you, you know, me, Mikasa so, you know, we could both get in on it. You so know. It, in my play group, we call him the traveling man, the traveling man. <laughs> yes. And the trav, if you don't pass the traveling man, you're automatically the enemy. Oh, it's like the time I didn't pass um, uh, Bucknard's Everfull Purse. And everyone's like, get yeah. this guy. I'm like, ah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you don't pass the Traveling Man. <sighs> more but more uh, along with that, like, every black deck has Diabolic Tutor. Every green deck has Farseek. Every blue deck has Negate. And, like, there's four per each color and then four colorless. But actually, there's five per color because every deck has the curses. So every deck has, like, every green deck has Curse of Bounty, every red deck has Curse of Opulence, every white deck has Curse of Vitality, so on and so forth. And think, and good, because, like, Curse of Opulence getting a reprint was severely needed because that thing was getting expensive. And yeah. not only that, um, 
you, that thing makes gold tokens. You know, it doesn't make treasure. You know, we all complain about treasures here, but it makes a gold token where you don't even need to tap it to sacrifice it, which gets pretty gross. Um, but yeah, like, what I think one of the cool things um, that I can already tell kind of between all the decks that you got here is that, like, on one hand, because you get to to get numerous copies of like the typical commander cards that you would have probably seen some pre-cons when they get reprinted or there's like a certain theme that needs to be taken up um, is that uh, it, it does highlight what commander design is looking like um, in at WotC. Um, yeah. Like, you know, the curses I think are pro like the, the multiplayer focused ones for commander are, like, one of the best versions of the curses that we've seen. I love main core set curses, like, whenever, oh, like, they're super you cool. know, Bitterheart Witch and all those curses on Innistrad, like, that was my first appreciation of them. But obviously, they don't scale very well in a game because they only affect one person. So having these be here, so that way it affects and incentivizes other people, but you also gain the benefit as well, especially when it comes to Curse of Opulence, like... Getting free gold just by having someone else attack the opponent. I, I think the value of each, the word each, is very misunderstood. A lot of CDH players understand the value of each. Mm -hmm. And that's just a thing that like you learn in CDH is each is essential. It's not target, it's each. That matters. But with um, more casual commander, people kind of forget the importance of each. So with... The, the the curses, it's one of those things that's whenever enchanted player is attacked, you gain to life. Each opponent attacking that player does the same. There's the each. Yeah. And that each is so fun when you are designing precons. And it, it's sad that some newer precons forget that, or some newer precons rely on that too much. Yeah, I haven't been paying attention as much to sort of like the deck construction of precons recently as they're personally like, you know, I I find I am no longer or as often the the target demographic for them. Because uh, as we'd mentioned before we had started is that more often than not, precons are introductory or kind of like, quote unquote, beginner level for commander. Like it's a way for you to get in. Like as a as a consumer and as a player, and for a lot of people, um, like it's a way to build off of a deck. Like if it's affordable and it's not um, it's not like a highly specialized set, like War of the Warhammer 40k precons, and then the upcoming uh, Fallout 4 precons that are or, not Fallout 4, excuse me, Fallout. Um, yeah, like it allows people to reasonably um, get invest and then if they want to add stuff from their collection or buy singles for it or bust open packs and add to it maybe if they want to keep it themed for like you know put the dungeons and dragons cards in the dungeons and dragons commander precons or put lord of the rings cards in the lord of the rings precons um mm. there's a lot of ways to build off of it um but at the end of the day there's a lot of people who like to get together when precons come out and kind of, you know, all right, let's have a duel. Like, if they're releasing four or five precons for the set, let's take four of them and have a game and see how it comes out. And it's the most... Uh, it's the most um, basic form of... It's, what's the way I'm looking at it? 
the most basic but pure form of Commander in uh, that way to experience it. Because someone else did the work, someone else did the design, and so everyone else, those people put it together for the player experience. So if there's any power imbalances that might may or may not be kept in check, um, all it comes down to is luck of the draw and the player you know piloting the deck. Yeah. So well, that's actually what my friend does. I, I, my, my big inspiration and the big producer of these decks. I'm the designer. I design the decks, make sure they all work, make sure that like in theory they're solid, and then I'm the one who like will tinker with them in person and like goldfish and all that. Mm-hmm. My main producer is actually my friend Chris, who is a massive fan of the precons. I'm like I am too. I just can't afford them. He can afford them, and even though he's getting very disillusioned with magic and disillusioned with the state of precons and the state of magic as a whole, which is a very easy thing to happen and do. Yeah, and a lot of people are going through it, I understand that. But with Chris, he still likes the precons, and until there are some that are just outright awful, he's still planning on getting all of them. And with that, he wants those precons kind of wax or wane, or just as like a change of pace and change of flavor, he wants pre-cons that are exclusively unique. Yeah. That really only like he has or he he has. I mean, there is. Yeah, like the most part. Like the way I think about so, it is like I have a copy of the um the Goad Dragon from Dodges Dragons. Um Fur Fur Craig, I think it's called. Um, uh, is swearing allowed on this podcast? Yes, we are totally allowed to swear. Okay, we just call him Fuckrag. <laughs> oh no, that's terrible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's an uh, it's awkward uh, spelling uh, for that for that poor dragon. It, but it, 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 it is, but like it's kind of it's it's the funniest name, and like it's it's way easier just to say, oh, it's this Fuckrag. Um, but. We're talking about a precon um, that you know is is dedicated to having a few sub themes of like having dragons, but also having a heavy investment in goad. Um, so it's like you know, depending on what type of player you are and the type of experiences you're looking for, and you know those those situations where people are just bringing precons, like random precons from like the last few years together, uh, like it can ca- it can cause such like a dissonant. Uh, play experience for everyone which is where like when people are like hey i'm gonna make my own pre-con or like when uh when they design those like five two color twenty dollar pre-cons the beginners yeah like you know they they broke it all down to its bare essentials for everything they chose what i would consider to be like pretty cool choices for commanders hey mm-hmm. go carter doomscourge uh put in uh, like talismans of of whatever color combination in them, and like you know, it was pretty solid. Um, but what I also oh, like, oh. or I don't like, and what I like about this is that, um, you are able to objectively look at like the mana bases of these, especially for three colors, and find ways to still, um, buff it in a way where the deck still works and functions yeah. and not just be like, all right, five color pre-con let's put in every single tap land imaginable yeah, no. and absolutely, no. tr- you know, slow the person down and ruin their gaming experience. You know, now I, I do have a lot more tap lands in these than I wanted. 
But I kind of have that for a reason. Well, um, but have... budgetary reasons and artisan. Yeah, it's artisan and also budget reasons. And also, when I say these are like, they're not pre-con costed. Definitely. Each of these is on average about 80 bucks. That's the average. Now, that being said, for $80, you are getting a fully functional artisan deck that is souped up and stylized because I'm putting in new competitive lands, I'm putting in full arts. These things are like, they're juiced, they're stylish, they're cool looking. Are they exuberant? No, I'm not making every card foil. But, I mean, there's a few. Yeah. Um, and then also for, oh, let me do some quick math. It, it's less about each individual deck and more for $400, you can have a game night regularly with friends that is balanced according to each other and that you can rebuild and readjust to your liking. And now, $400 is a lot of money, but that is that is slightly more expensive than a box of Commander Masters, <laughs> and you know what you're going to get. Yeah. Like, it's, it, it's not every day that, um, like, for example, I, I'm someone who has, I think at the moment, 51 decks right now, which is, it's silly, it's ridiculous, I know. But there's been a handful of times where I've had the opportunity of having, like, uh, handing a deck off to someone else, um, and then they get to play with that deck. And, you know, it obviously not everyone gets to be able to do this kind of thing, but I'd be I'd be totally okay if I was, like, I'm going to host four people over my place or three other people at my place and we can, don't bother bringing your cards. We'll handle it all just off my shelf. Um, so that that's what my friend Chris and I do is we, we say, listen, if you want to bring your decks, you're more than welcome to. But we have, for the most part, every pre-con. And if you don't want to play pre-cons, that's fine. We have CDH borrowers. And if you don't play CDH, that's fine. Have we introduced you to the gods yet? Which is my idea of like, Slightly souped up precons, like Warhammer powered precons for every Theros god, mm -hmm. and those are a lot more balanced than these new Capenna ones are, at least to each other and to realistic precons. Like the gods are balanced to actual precons, slightly higher, but they're balanced. Mm -hmm. These are a beast of their own because they're artisan. But now we'll be like, oh, you don't want to play precons? Fine. Do you want to play CDH? Nope. You you want to play the gods? No. Do you want to play the new Capenna Project? What's that? Well, let us tell you about it. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too, is that, like, I, I, people are getting barraged with products, so much product within the last few years. And I'm obviously one of those people trying to keep up yeah. with everything. Like, I, And I, I love it that they're the new Capenna ones, because there are cards that are in the new Capenna pre-cons and, like, part of, like, the Commander-exclusive cards from, like, packs and stuff. And... I still am seeing cards that I have never seen before and I've never seen played. And I read them and I'm like, wait, that's a new Capenna? What the heck? And then I like trying to yeah. try and get a copy of it. And it's just, it always, somehow I always find that like people like, they always kind of come back to new Capenna for one reason or another. It's either like they want to play with the, the demon heads of each family or it's something to do with like some of the pre-con commanders or something like that. But no, we did think about that too. We thought about making the demon heads instead. 
But we were like, no, let's let's use up some pork and we'll make the we'll make the uncommons instead. Yeah, and then the other thing too is that in this case, um, because of uh, like I I wouldn't know how popular artisan is because some people are still calling it or have called it um, like peasant. I guess is kind of like the term used for only commons, commons and uncommons. Um, yeah. And, it, you know, it's not quite to the extreme of pauper EDH. Um, and, but you still get to kind of have a powered down, relatively powered down game. Um, and as long as Wizards keeps doing what feels like appropriate rarity downshifts here and there. I mean, like, you know, we got exsanguinate now in Uncommon, which is absolutely ridiculous. I know, but, I saw that. But now it is another way for a deck to find ways to end the game, you know? And um, you still, like, if you're... I think a lot of people have often described to me that it's like, if you do want to kind of experience the the sort of ha- the quote-unquote halcyon days of of commander in like the early 2000s you know power down by using uncommon rarity stuff because they were either downshifted anyway and a lot of them are usually like either they were part of a set from years ago or whatever but like the relative power is accessible financially accessible um can still cater to certain types of people depending on like what style of play they want like do they want combo? Yeah. Do they want control? Do they want aggro? Like the power down nature allows some of those strategies to flourish. And <clears throat> you want to bling it out. It's super affordable to do that. And then if you do get in those environments or you hear about other people being like, I want to play artisan, they have a gateway into doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that a lot. And it's, it's cool. And that's kind of why I built these. Again, I, I, we wanted something fresh. We wanted a way to use up commons. We wanted to try to, like, have slightly jankier... Not bad, but just jankier. Jankier, yeah. Ways of... Yeah. Just ways of playing and ways of processing and understanding the game. It, it It's pre-con philosophy, not necessarily pre-con price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like... Where it is a... Like, how I got it, them priced out right now, and I don't know which... I can't remember which one it's based off of, but, like, you know, the decks fluctuate between, like, 55 to, like, $100, give or take. Yeah. 55 is... Uh... Lagrella. Lagrella. Uh, I, I, it's higher now because I've put in the bling cards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's the cheapest, and I think the most expensive is Cormella or... Quezza? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Probably Quezza, because Quezza has kind of some cracked cards in it. <laughs> Quezza, by necessity, has to have, like, the cracked cards in it. So let's... Okay. Because we've obviously talked about, like, the ideas for a lot of these decks, and maybe some people don't know about it. And I have talked about Quezza uh, on the deck... Uh, on the on the podcast before. Um, but let's kind of just, like, so we went over Rocco already, where it get ETBs, if you pay X, you get a creature from the deck. So, yeah. Lagrella Magpie, I'm not going to use the, the written text because it's confusing. So, uh-huh. Lagrella, who is Bant, just Bant colors, green, white, blue, is a human soldier, there's a 2-3. Uh, when Lagrella enters, you exile, you exile up to one creature on each different player's boards until Lagrella leaves the battlefield. 
And then when an exiled card enters the battlefield under your control this way, put two plus one counters on that creature. Um, so so how, how I process it and how I communicate it is, it's called Lagrella the Magpie. Magpies are known to steal things. So more or less you put a creature from each board state in your pocket. And it's stick there in your pocket. Now when your thing leaves your pocket, it gets a counter. Or two counters, but still. Yeah, so unless there's some way for you to also vary, like, if a creature would enter, you put it under your control, which is out of the uncommon rarity at this point, um, they would also enter the battlefield under control with two plus one counters on it. But essentially, if you want to make sure that someone is, is having, like, that thing that they have is too problematic for you at the moment. You can just basically O-ring them out of existence until you need to either reset Lagrella or she just happens to die. But flickering exactly. is sweet. It's, it's such a cool so effect. That, that's what the deck's theme is. The deck's theme is flicker. It's flicker control. And it's this one is actually the one I did first because Lagrella is the one of these that I understand the most about how to play and how to build. Mm-hmm. Because I have an arena deck a historic brawl deck with Lagrella, where I wanted to see how much I could break Arena. So I have a lot of perpetual effects, I have a lot of flicker effects. It's very fun. Uh, the main win con is your opponent quitting. <laughs> because that's the main win con I've, I've always got. I've got. I've won with combat, I've won with my opponent milling themselves, and I've, I've won with the opponent accidentally killing themselves. But usually the opponent scoops instead. Yeah, but flicker, I... flicker, flicker control, especially when you got stuff like OG, the Exquisite Blade in here, and then you got stuff like Reflector Mage, um, Par- like Paragon Drake combo of untapping your stuff, so you always have mana available. Um, yeah. Can get a little, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? I mean, frustrating at the baseline. <laughs> it gets annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I mean, at the same time, the, the way I look at stuff like this is that, like, the the implication of a deck being artisan does not necessarily mean that it, it's low power. It's low power. Like, it still has synergy, and it's, you know, you probably still want to have, like, a combo or two or some ways to do it manually. Um, but... So that, that, that specifically is something I wanted to emphasize. So every deck has an infinite combo or equivalent that you end the game with. Mm-hmm. With the boulder, it's infect. It's infect. It's it's infect. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Rocco, it's good luck. Figure it out. I'm not telling you what it is. It's in there somewhere. Uh, Quasa, it's Viscopa Guildmage. Yeah, Viscopa Guildmage, which actually now that we're over there on Quasa, um, Quasa Agravanganese <laughs> have talked about it before, but uh, one white, blue, black for three, four. Cellophane advisor. When you draw a card, target opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. And uh, yes. and good old. Um, I just had it here. The good old Viscopa Guild Mage, um, from Gate Crash. Uh, one white, one black, two two human wizard. Uh, you can do one black and white, so a target creature gains life link until end of turn, which can be pretty good. Um, and uh, and. Uh, and then the other one is one white black. Whenever you gain life this turn, each opponent loses that much life. And so the deck has a lot of life gain stuff. <laughs> yeah, not a lot, but a good amount. But but a decent, half decent amount. You know, like 
I see here you got uh, Cliffhaven Vampire as part of the list, uh, where whenever you gain life, each opponent loses one life. I love this style of card, um, because like mm-hmm. you could just very inadvertently um, just have so many passive effects that... You know, you're just draining people over time. You got, yeah. um, you know, Markov Purifier. If you if you go to your instep, if you gain life, you may be two. If you do draw a card, uh, that triggers Quaza. You're bad. You, you know, you're you're doing the thing again. Brotting Blight Priest uh, mm-hmm. is just hilarious. Again, if you gain life, your opponent loses one life. So if you can stack so, off the increments, you're good to go. Now that's the thing about Marauding Blight Priest. That's that's an each. Unfortunately, Quaza is target. But everything else in the deck is usually in each. Mm-hmm. So, whilst that's just a target, everything else is each. So, it's just this death by a thousand cuts. And then Quaza has the most amount of instant, uh, most amount of counters in it. Right. Or removal equivalent. Yeah. And then Quaza also has uh, Mill. Because I like Mill. And it's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got uh, Psychic Corrosion, Psy- Sphinx's Tutelage. Sphinx's Tutelage. Um, and that's kind of it, but those, uh, both of those are very, very powerful that people do not understand how powerful they are. Especially when you get both of them out. Oh my god, it's, it's disgusting. I mean, Sphinx's, it's great. I love Sphinx's it. Tutelage alone can sometimes, like, hose someone <laughs> if they're uh, if they're playing a monocolored deck. Um, now, the, it's not as good as... it's not Sphinx's Tutelage is not as good in these... But what it's good for in these is it's just like it, it's spot removal. But instead of spot removal for a creature or a thing, it's just you're slowly ripping away the biggest threat player. <laughs> yeah. Short on lands, tough. They're in the bin. They're now. in the bin now. I don't know how many times that's happened where I'm like, that was my uh, land. Dr- that was going to be my land drop, but I guess not. Sucks to suck. <laughs> And yeah, and then kind of like, yeah, also in Quaza's wheelhouse here that I see here, like, as part of the list. I always love seeing Rona, Shieldred's Faithful. Um, whenever you cast an instant sorcery, each opponent loses one life, and then you can also maybe cast uh, Rona from your graveyard by discarding two cards, and as well as the cost. It's like, well, you're drawing a bunch of cards anyway. Um, and then on top of that, doing Vohar, uh, where you get to tap and then discard a card. Uh, like, draw and discard, and then you, if you disc an insert of sorcery, everyone loses one and you gain one. And then you can sack it for two and basically give something flashback. Um, which, like, highly synergistic. I love weird spell singer stuff like this and Dominar. And also, hey, Uncommon Legends. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one thing I, I wish I could have done with these. Um... Is I wish I could have ulterior legends. Some of them do, but most of them don't. Yeah, the unfortunate thing is, is that like, um, and who knows when they're gonna do it again? Fingers crossed they do it for Tarkir when we go back. But like, it we're unlikely to see uh, really impactful three. Okay. I don't know. I'm going to go to complaints here, right? So we're we're going to Eldraine in a second here, like another week, um, I think. And that set is once again full of two colors theme. That, that's just kind of how it works. And then they also have a cycle of Uncommon Legends, right? Um, and it's very easy for them to do the samey stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, I think what's going on right now... Uh, I think her name's Ash or whatever, and she's just a Boros legend, 
Um, and I think it's whenever two or more things enter, she gets like a bonus. And she's like a two mana. Okay, hold on. Sorry. Ash Party Crasher. Two mana, two, two with haste. And celebration is whenever two or more non-land permanents enter the battlefield, uh, she gets a plus one counter on her, right? But that's uh-huh. it, right? That is that's, that's the baseline. That's kind of lame. Um, and if I look at the, like kind of the others, if I took the time to look at the other cycle right now, there's some other effects in those other creatures at that rarity that are are just functionally better. Um, and it sucks because of how how like what is the goal of design when it comes to the limited environment for that set right and in this case they're meant to be signposts and commons but like they're weird signposts and commons yeah um but like but then we take a look at like i'd say strixhaven for example which only focused on enemy color pairings so you had the five uh uncommon students which they're all functionally pretty good um same thing here in new capenna where there's only five families, and they're each three color combinations. So the best way to sig- like to get that going is by having these creatures here, and they're all again functionally either interesting or unique or just really synergistic with that color combination. It's just that I wish they did that more in other sets, but then they're always constantly like, "All right, here's the ten two color combos." You know, they they always have to flush out everything, and that means. We, I think, I feel like we often miss out on um, seeing really cool stuff at lower rarities. That is just yeah, Hil- like Hilda in in Eldraine right now. Very excited for her personally. Uh, Rowan and Will are oh yeah, freaking. Uh, obviously, Rowan is a lot more bonkers because she's she's Rakdos, but they both do a a mirrored design thing for the two color combinations that they're part of. Um, but, and you don't get to see any of that trickle down to a lower rarity because it is a all-color set. It's it's ten sets of, of two-color combinations, so everything kind of, I feel, gets, like, diluted a bit. Yeah, which is unfortunate. But, I, honestly, I, Eldraine seems neat, but I wasn't that hot on the first Eldraine. Mm-hmm. I, I recognize it's a powerful set and it's important, but also I just was not hot on it. And I'm kind of the same with this new one, where it's like, yeah, that's kind of neat. That's cute. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. That's how I... I'm sure there's some broken stuff. I'm sure there's some cards I'll pick up eventually, but like... Yeah. Like, I, like we kind of mentioned earlier, it's a little bit hard to care a ton. Yeah, you know, Magic is in such flux right now. Like, they dropped the twenty late quarter four 2023 announcement. And, like, they're like, alright, uh, you know, dinosaurs, uh, Jurassic World. I'm like, alright. I know that's some people saying, not exactly my thing, but I, I see it. And then they're like, alright, here's 2024. You're like, holy smokes. Like, not even getting into the feeling that sets are coming out nearly, like, a month apart. And I made a, uh, you, have you ever watched, um, Pacific Rim? I have. <laughs> Because sometimes, sometimes people haven't, but, like, there's the thing where, like, the one scientist is, like, um, where we've been seeing breaches, like, every certain period, but now that they're, like, being cut in half time-wise before the next event occurs, and then my, I made a joke where I'm, like, there'll <laughs> oh, be a set release every two weeks, or, like, every, 
or or whatever. Like it'll happen so quickly. Yes. There's there's a Batman releasing tomorrow, and there's a Batman releasing yeah. in the middle of yesterday. It's like wait a minute, what? I, I haven't even seen the Batman yet. What the hell? Yeah. So it's yeah, it's just absolutely wild. Sometimes how blisteringly fast it feels between sets, like. Having to go from Lord of the Rings to Commander Masters and seeing some stuff get reprinted um, that were in, like, a Commander deck and then it just being like, okay, we also are printing it again in the Commander set. You're like, okay, that's pretty cool. And it just so happens that their releases were side by side. Um, and then now we're going into Eldraine, which is a core set. And it's like, um, I, you know, I'm of the opinion that all magic sets are cool I all have individual grievances over certain things, like, yeah, they are releasing yeah. them too quickly, or the price point's ridiculous, or whatever. Um, but it's just, yeah, it is very easy to become apathetic to what is going on uh, in Magic. And then that uh, gives you time. I, I What I always say is it gives people time to kind of be like, okay, retreat for a second, ignore the new stuff for, like, five seconds, right? What is something yeah. that you can do right now for yourself go back to an older set and see what other people's experiences have been because it's this that particular set like new capenna has been out for over a year, a year now two years. give or take yeah uh i mean by by the time this by the time i, I mean this as a joke i don't mean this as anything to you. by the time this podcast is out it'll feel like it's like five years by the time people listen to it it'll feel like it's been 10 years <laughs> exactly exactly like um uh, one of my buddies who's been on the show before, John, he's like, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I wasn't, you know, Eldraine, it's, it's kind of funny that people are so excited about it. I'm like, you know, it's like nostalgia. And he's like, wasn't that thing out like in 2019? I'm like, yeah, but yes. we're talking about magic years. So uh-huh. that was already like ages, like, like, you know, a set from last year. Like, I don't know how many times I'm like. Oh yeah, that set that came out last year. That set came out two years ago. Oh, yeah. well, it sure felt like it was a year ago. But you know, magic uh, magic perspective versus like what is going on in your immediate life, real life like responsibilities and stuff. You know, perspective is different. Yeah, exactly. So like, I, I started in Fate Reforge Kazatar Kier era. Mm-hmm. Good time to start. That is, yeah, it's a great time to start. It was so good. Uh, overall, um, that is nearly a decade old. Yeah, they, they said by the time it comes out, I think if they said it'll be 12 years. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, oh, I feel old. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, nope. Yeah, I was I was a teenager, more or less, when that set came out. So Yeah, Portal 2, the game Portal 2. I remember being so excited for Portal 2. I asked my parents to take me to GameStop to buy Portal 2. Because I earned money to buy Portal 2. Portal 2 came out in 2012. Wait, that's when Portal 2 came out? Yes. I thought it was sooner than that. Oh my god. No, 2012, 2011. Wow. Konzatark here? here was like 2014, 2013. Okay, that, that does check out. Oh, don't even get me started on, like, video game time. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. They're like, hey, yeah, do you remember the, so early, the early... The early... Aughts, and I'm like, yeah, this game came no. out then, right? They're like, no, that game came out like this year. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. But no, it's one of those things where it's so bizarre, where it's like I've not been playing Magic that long. I really haven't. Mm-hmm. But then I talk to people, and it's like, 
Oh, no, I've been playing Magic for nearly a decade, and I've been doing artwork inspired by Magic. Mm-hmm. That, that helps me pay for Magic, because that's how I started doing artwork in Magic. Like, not for Magic, unfortunately, but maybe someday. But um, I couldn't afford the game. Still really can't. That's why I have a buddy who's... He's a good friend still. He's a very good friend. Probably, like, one of my closest. But, like, he pays for the cards for the most part, unless I'm... I, I, I'm, unless I'm in a decent spot like I've been in recently. But he pays for everything, and then I just build it. But back in the day, it's like, I, I can't afford this game. I can barely afford to come and play the game, let alone the cards I have with me. Yeah. So I will, I will do artwork for a pack of cards. And, like, one of the people that I did an artwork for, for a pack of cards, I did, like, a crappy, like, angel token or whatever, for, like, a place out of Sphinx's tutelages or something like that. So, something real weird. You know, um, the trade the trade like, deal in, in goods instead of cash, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, like, I, I was talking with that person. He's like, yeah, no, that was forever ago. And I'm like, I, I, I've gone from doing that to doing this canvas project where currently its highest bid is 525, being matched by mental misplay. Oh man! So that means freaking Alan, man, always doing the yeah, I'll match it. I'm like, what? What? Yeah. So that's that's a thousand and fifty dollars. I get I get a quarter of that for to help me get back on my feet. So like, if it sells for five twenty five, I get. Uh, 230-something. That 230-something is just to help me help me, like, I went through a breakup, I've had some really bad mental health stuff, that'll help me, like, get clothes, pay for my computer, so it help me get back on my feet. Mm-hmm. But I'll probably get magic stuff for it because I like it, so I'm using magic to pay for magic, but I've gone from, like, drawing an angel in, like, a dollar store clearance aisle sketchbook for four sphinxes, two lidges, to buying, like, this a uh, Commander Masters pack, maybe, with this huge canvas, mm-hmm. which is incredibly impressive. Like the amount of, because I because I heard about your project way too late. Like you were nearly done with it, um, but when you finally get the full scope of your project, like taking a look uh, at it, I'm like, whoa! Like that that is a lot of effort that you've put into it. Thank you. But yeah, the, the, coming back to where we were, yeah, that that kind of shows the weird time scope. Is I, I feel that it was just like a few years ago that I was doing that, and now I'm here. And you tell me that that was like six years ago, mm-hmm. six seven years ago, 2018, 2019. No, it'd be 2018. Uh, is when I, I really started doing that, and even back in like 2016, a little bit. That was so long ago. Yeah, like in it's in so human strange. years, in human people years, right? You're like, wow, yeah. I'm I'm getting older, and I'm you know I'm getting more wrinkles and more like cracks in my bones and my spine and everything. But like when you think about it, relative to like magic, magic it's even longer. Yeah, like it's it, it's it, there's the time abyss of magic is like infinite. Like it's so funny. Because I've, I've had a lot of folks on here that have played Magic for years, right? Um, and then, you know, Empress Quinn's like, uh, yeah, I've been playing since, like, 2019 or whatever. I'm like, oh, God! <laughs> it's only, like, 
and then you have some people who are like, oh yeah, I've played even less. And it's just like, it just, it just sounds and feels so obscene. But then also when you think about the people who do that and then heavily invest in it, they play commander and they show up on streams and they're still learning, obviously, but they also have two years of magic under their belt, which if they're playing is often can feel like way longer. So yeah, it's just, it's so funny. Magic is such a weird vehicle for that. Yeah. And the other thing too, um, cause, cause you had mentioned it is that like, you know, obviously magic for a lot of people is not very affordable. Oh no, absolutely not. And, um, especially when it comes to, uh, participating with like content creation in any sort of way, it's like, um, it's very easy to get caught up in like, wow, everyone's playing the new hotness, new sets coming out. It's so easy to get wrapped up in it but at the same time what's a really cool thing is that because of how big magic's been and how many different art styles of stuff and how many like how much of a product is printed what is a product gonna be like when it's all cracked open and put up on shelves and lgs's and all that right um is that suddenly you don't need like you don't need the big 50 60 100 mythic rare whatever from like a set you now have an opportunity to gather like if if here's the thing i i i'm gonna something that's been a big pet yeah. peeve of mine in the community there are people who are like okay magic is a luxury product which it is like any other luxury in this lifetime if 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 it is not for your basic needs for survival, it is considered a luxury. And for a lot of people... Yeah, exactly. But people cannot just get by with the basic necessities. Because at that point, they're just surviving. They're not living. So when people come online on Twitter and on Tumblr and wherever, on YouTube comments and shit like that, is that when they say, poor people shouldn't play magic, that is a terrible way to phrase it. Oh, I, I hate that so much. I hate that so... Because it's like... I, I, I hate that so fucking much. It, it's terrible. It's it's the absolute hey, worst thing. And and it's like you know, it's the same way they're like, oh, people shouldn't have video games, or you shouldn't buy yourself a treat. Like you shouldn't do these things that allows you to, even if it's for a moment, even if it's for a brief moment, you get that sweet sweet dopamine hit, and the you know the serotonin and the brain chemicals are working, so you can actually feel like you're living your life. You know, um, yeah, and so. It's like, now that there are certain sets of magic that are more available and card prices are going down as long as you're not, like, the super-duper collector's item or the chase rare of the set or the one ring from Lord of the Rings or whatever, right? Is that you can chat with people online and be like, hey, can we do a trade? And now it's no longer just... um, monetary like hey i'll cut you a deal and sell this xyz to you for like x many dollars it's like um my buddy gabe ice tap he's been on the show before he's done my intro for this podcast for uh that i started using a few months ago and the our trade deal was he wanted a game boy micro uh, <laughs> you know the 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 one that plays Game Boy Advance games, and I'm like, you know, I've had one for a while, and I bought it on an impulse because I wanted it, but I don't really use it because, as I learned, it's very tiny and my hands are very big. Um, so I, I if I do play stuff like uh, with my SP, it feels comfortable because it matches my hands. 
but oh, yeah, but he's I, I, like I, 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 I have one of those but he's like yeah but i want it i'm like okay cool that uh, like i'll send it to you then no big deal he's like do you want something for it and i'm like i don't know how like you're a musician um and so he cracked me a de- like a smoking deal and i think you know there was still a minor technical thing that was wrong with it and he got the battery swapped out and it was all good to go and uh like you know that it was effectively a trade deal um we've gone back to the we've gone back to the bartering system let's go and you know and like doing trades online it's like you know maybe you can get a trade close enough where someone's only maybe a few dollars out and i'd say just call it right i've done yeah. trades like that before where if like i'm trading at a quote-unquote loss but like someone's getting the cards they want and i'm getting what i want and like I could. Who cares? I, you know, and and yeah. and now it's like there's so many alternate art versions of stuff where it's like, you know, we're talking about these five commanders here for your decks. They they are still dirt cheap. So if you you know mm-hmm. maybe you go to an LGS, you're like, what the heck? You know what? I'm gonna put money down to get these cards, and I know I only have a budget of like thirty dollars, but that thirty dollars can go theoretically, especially for, like, Artisan decks and stuff, and even Popper, if that's what you really want to play. Oh, yeah. You know, you can pay $30 for, like, 100 cards sometimes. That is what, like, that yeah. is what we're at right now. So, and that is where I've a lot of people function at. I've gone to a local game store and be like, I have 30 I, 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 that was $25. I have $25 in cash. Can you somehow optimize this list of a Popper EDH deck I have with this $25? And they're like, we will do what we can. Um, they were off by like a few cents, and they're like, you know what? It's good enough here. There we go. So massive shout outs to it. It, it wasn't like forty, fifty cents. It was like twenty five cents, like a quarter. Mm-hmm. So uh, massive shout out to Mavericks in Kettering, Ohio. <laughs> hey, sometimes you know what? Sometimes it, that's all it takes, right? Like. It, exactly. You know, I've 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 been hearing a lot from some people that LGSs are, you know, more often than not, like what the things that they have to do to make sure that they're running in the plus is sometimes kind of ridiculous. Like if they have to price hike a few products or singles or whatever up here and there, like it's totally understandable nowadays. Um yeah. and especially if it's like your mom and pop shop of nerddom, like it's you know, it's their livelihood. And, and, you know, it's also a place that people get to go to. So, like, having that, that level of trust of, like, a store being like, yeah, sure, you know what, let's just call it this and call it a day and we'll, we'll get you what you need. And especially, like, if they're nickeling and diming you, it just kind of feels, like, disingenuous if they don't try to do that for you. Yeah. Um, now, there are, there are a few places around here that do do the nickel and dime. Mm-hmm. And most of my friends, I just don't go there because this is just, like, a side thing we've noticed. And it might, it might just be for Ohio. But most of the places that would nickel and dime you are also the same places that would invite people mm-hmm. that are unsavory. Yeah. So, like, one one game store, their head judge is a guy who has a signed copy of Invoke Prejudice that he's super proud of. Oh, no. Yeah, and he's the exact sort of person you'd think would own a signed Invoke Prejudice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not great. Uh, an- another local store. Um, let this one... I mean, there that does nickel and dime. They let this one guy in who kept saying, hey, I really want to run kids' events. I really want to run kids' events. And um, turns out uh, 
There's a reason for it, and it's disgusting. <sighs> Fucking goddammit. Just... And it's like, oh, so this weird small habit, there's a correlation with this weird big habit. Hmm, great. That's fucking... Because uh, it it can be boiled down to one word. Empathy. Places with, like, a little bit of empathy tend to have a lot more empathy than it lets on, so they don't really deal with that level of, like, disgusting people. A few might slip through the crack, unfortunately, but, like, they're always willing to kind of be kinder to the people that come in and the people that spend time there. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, which it, it shows that the, the, this world ain't too heck. If the game store will forgive 25 cents off of my popper EDH order, I salute you. <laughs> it sometimes goes a long way for, um, for, I, I mean, like, it, you know, they, they're on a 25 cent loss, but they also have, like, a repeat customer at that point. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that stuff's just—it's—it's it's, it's good people doing good things. Um, but yeah, and that's kind of why I again going back to like where we started with this. That's kind of why I made these decks still relatively cheap because like seventy to a hundred dollars is not cheap, but for a full deck and a deck that is fairly streamlined. Yep, streamlined, functional, synergistic. Um, and beautiful, and and yeah, and you know what? There's a bit of bling. There's not like actual foil bling, maybe, but there's actual you know some artwork bling, and it's like that's that's what we want nowadays. I think like you you want to have memorable decks that make memories for other people as well. Exactly, and and you can so, still do it without being afraid of breaking the bank. Exactly. So for slightly more than the price of a Commander Masters box. You can have a game night with friends, and that's memories made. That's time spent well. That's time enhancing your mental health. That's time spending time with the people you care for. That's $400 for that really ain't too bad. Sure, it could be done cheaper, but the fact that you can repeat that multiple times and it's fresh each time, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah. I think once again, I think this is just, uh, something that needs to be said, and and, and everyone, there's a lot of people, positive people out there that do say it is that magic is for everyone, um, it is. and we have so many tools at our disposal to make it as accessible as possible. Um, when it comes to like, you know, popper is a thing. You know, we have all these different types of formats and styles of play that allows people to be able to do that, and yeah, like. This is a great demonstration as to how and why uh, you should do that. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you, uh, thank you for coming on and uh, showing me all hey, this. Hey, gladly. And um, and uh, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, so you can find me at um, and just search Beyond the Machina. Uh, I, I, I pop up usually first thing. Uh, I'm on Twitter. At Beyond the Machina, there's no E and the the. I'm on Instagram at Beyond the Machina, only with an E and the the, thankfully. Uh, my link tree is L-I-N-K dot, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Beyond the Machina. 
And there you can find my bonfire, there you can find, like, a whole bunch of cool stuff. And I'm on Inked Gaming at Beyond the Machina. I'm the guy who made the infamous Did You Know a Player May Concede the Game at Any Time playmat. So if you've seen that Plague Your Facebook page, then it's, it's me. I'm doing it, and I'm doing it on purpose. I'm watching you. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. All right, yeah. And uh, all the links to all that will be in the description as well as the five deck lists uh that we were talking about today so you can all uh pick through it and see see what you like and what you don't like and who knows maybe you can uh, piggyback off of it and make your own kind of stuff mm-hmm. hey, awesome and uh everyone thank you for listening to another episode and i hope you have a good rest of your day bye